Ridiculously Happy People cast. I'm Sophia Lemon, and I'm sitting down today with Leah Van Dolder. How's it going, Leah? It is going awesome, Sophia. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to have this chat with you today. Me too. I have my notebook. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to get all ready. (laughs) So prepped. I'm just going off the cuff today. (laughs) Oh, we're talking about like nutrition and everything. And I thought it'd be great around about New Year's because people are, I'm sure, going to have questions about like, wait a minute, how do I get myself together to like be healthy in 2024? But really, it's just a selfish thing. Um, And make all of my notes. (laughs) What's that? It's really a selfish thing. It's all for myself. (laughs) But that's okay. Because if you're thinking these things, then other people are too. Good point. Very good point. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I I did mention nutrition. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you do it and why, why you do it? (laughs) Why I do it. That's a good one. Well, a little bit about me. So my name is Leah Van Dolder. I have been a registered dietitian for the last decade, and I started off in a weight loss clinic. That was my very first job. And I quickly started realizing that the conversations that I was having with my clients were a little bit about food, but a lot more around emotions and how to change behavior and how to become aware of the self-sabotage and how to overcome that. And, you know, I'm helping people change their lifestyle for the long haul and behavior change is involved in that. And it can be uncomfortable because there's a lot of inward reflection and food can be the cover up for a lot of difficult emotions, uh, even for all sorts of good emotions too, right? People live or people eat when they're happy, when they're sad, when they're pissed off, when they're discouraged. Um, And I have really found passion in helping people better understand themselves, Um, you know, feeling more in the power seat, making better choices, things that make them feel good. So that really is my why, because at the end of the day, there is nothing that makes me happier, Sophia, than seeing empowered, vibrant, healthy, energetic people out there in the world. Because if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And I absolutely love seeing how, you know, leveling up your nutrition is just that gateway into leveling up all other areas within your life. Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness. Okay. I love, I I heard you saying just, we eat when we're happy, when we're sad, when we're angry. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Check, check, check. Yeah. Yeah. So human, right? It's just so human. And I am always so baffled by how many people just don't understand nutrition at all. Like, I feel like we must have had it drilled into our heads when we were kids that vegetables, like you have to eat them. They're good for you. But there's people yeah. who don't know that. Like I was watching, oh. what was it? Jamie Oliver, he was in a city in the States, apparently the fattest city in the States. And he was t- talking to them about nutrition, teaching them how to cook for themselves and overhauling because they, they were the most obese city. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you guys don't know what a tomato looks like? Like, <laughs> he'd like hold up vegetables to the kids and be like, what is this? And they wouldn't have a clue. And I was like, what? So there's yeah. like people who legitimately don't know how to feed themselves. And that's alarming. So what brought you to this place where you want to help people with food, basically. Yeah, I mean, that goes back 
I'll sum it up real quick, but as I've gotten older, I've realized how good I had it growing up. I mean, mm -hmm. my parents were, they modeled healthy behavior, you know, and mm -hmm. my mom, she was a stay-at-home mom with the four of us. I've got three younger brothers and she really modeled healthy eating behavior. Like she lived and breathed it. And, you know, she wasn't the mom that told us what to do. She modeled and she displayed, um, mm -hmm. you know, healthy eating. And I remember just being involved in the kitchen, right? Like she would get us involved early. Like we were young, you know, mm -hmm. um, like we had a, we had a garden, we would be involved in making our lunches for the next day at school. You know, we were involved in prep for dinner at a really young age. And, you know, always doing something outside. I mean, growing up in the country, like we just all lived <laughs> outside, but I see how valuable that is. And from the amount of conversations that I've had with people over the years, like I'm talking thousands and thousands of conversations with people is that my childhood, that was a blessing. It was an absolute blessing that I grew up with parents who prioritized their health and modeled that behavior and mm -hmm. taught their kids how to live a healthy and balanced life. And, um, and I want to share that with people because the majority of my clients, Sophia, they come to me because they want to be that person for their family mm -hmm. as well. You know, they want to show their kids and be that person that changes the trajectory for their entire family. And it's um, like women have the power to do that. Mm -hmm. So does that answer your question? Cause now I can't even remember. Yeah. Yes, I did. I asked, <laughs> I asked how it, how you came to be in the place that you're in, which yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Your parents modeled health. And in my line of work, yeah. I work a lot with families. And one of the things that I, ask people is like, what is your number one priority? And most people say their family, which like I get, but I, that is fantastic. Your number one priority is your family. That's fantastic. I feel like health should be everyone's number pri one priority, but yeah. we never think to comment on our own health as being our priority. Like That's why, point. why do we think that is like, we will put our health off every day because we have to do something for someone in our family. What's yeah. up with that? <laughs> I think a lot of it comes back to feeling like we're being selfish. Um, and some deeper stuff too, you know, feeling like, uh, you know, you're not deserving of it or, or worthy of it. Um, yeah, it can get, it can get pretty deep, uh, and emotional there. But I find a lot of times for women, it's it's those three things, feeling selfish, feeling like, um, you know, how dare I take time for myself? Um, yeah, not feeling like they're they're worth the time um, and attention. And mm -hmm. that's something that that is something that I help my clients with is, you know, getting over that and recognizing that you know, it's not selfish. It is self-care. You are caring for yourself. You're learning how to take care of you so you can be your best for everybody around you. And, you know, people are getting it. People are starting to get it. And, um, 
you know, it has such a ripple effect on, on everything. Cause it's kind of like getting on the airplane, right. And you see the women, uh, and like the men that are like, put your safety belt on first or put your life jacket on first and then help somebody else. Because at the end of the day, it's so true. You cannot pour from an empty glass and like without your health, oh, <laughs> you got nothing. Can you, can you imagine in an airplane and you have to put on life jackets and like you're taking a life jacket to the next person going here, put this on. And they're going, hold on. And they're taking a life jacket, giving to the next person here, put this on. And yeah. they're saying, hold on, I got to give one to someone else. Yeah. That's a really great way for no one to get their life jacket on for sure. Yeah. It's like, put your freaking life jacket on like your life and yeah. everybody around you, like their life depends on it. Mm -hmm. And I think too, it's a good example of, uh, the very real aspect that nobody, <laughs> I'm just going to say this, but nobody's coming to save you. Yeah. Um, I find that something like accepting radical, it's that radical acceptance of you have this beautiful opportunity of creating the life that you want for yourself. You have this beautiful opportunity of creating a healthy, vibrant, active lifestyle for yourself. It sucks that nobody's going to come save you, but at, on the other token or the other side of that coin, I feel like it, that is quite empowering. It's like, hey, you know what? Like, this is my job. I get to take full charge here and mm -hmm. create the life that I want for myself. Yeah, for sure. So if you were to step in, you know, they're struggling, they're not <laughs> eating well, all of that fun stuff. They come to work with you. Like I have sat down with a dietitian before. Obviously, what you do is a little bit different than telling me that beans are going to help me reduce my bad cholesterol. All right. Oh, yes, so yes. <laughs> what do you yeah. do? <laughs> like you're oh. a mind mindset coach in addition to helping people with nutrition. So yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I could totally be the girl that says, Hey, did you know that beans lower your cholesterol? But in addition to that, it's like, okay, cool. But why does that matter? And how can I make that work with, you know, your schedule, your lifestyle, you know, and asking, I'll, I'll actually use that example, Sophia, but it's like, ew, like, why are you looking to eat better? So if you wanted to lower your bad cholesterol, then sure, we can talk about beans. But it's also like, hey, Sophia, do you even like beans? <laughs> do you know how to cook with beans? What's stopping you from taking, you know, a can of beans out of your pantry at the end of the day and using them in a recipe? So it's like getting into your head of like, what are all the things that are getting in the way from grabbing the beans at the grocery store and putting them in your mouth. <laughs> yes. This is why I get canned beans. That's right. So do <laughs> I. Don't soak them. Man, it takes forever. I don't so, think I've ever successfully soaked beans. Now that I think about it, I have gotten dry beans. I think I've tried to soak them. And I think I then went, fuck this and never did it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're taking a quick break, and while we do, I have a favor to ask you. Would you please take just a couple of moments to leave us a rating and a review in your podcast app of choice? Your feedback really goes a long way in helping us reach new people and also improve the podcast. So thanks very much, and we're back to the show. 
Yeah. Perfect example, right? Yeah. So I would say, great. You want to fuck the beans? Like just put them, put them on the back shelf. Let's not even go there. Let's mm -hmm. buy the canned beans, maybe mm -hmm. buy the ones with less salt. And here's some simple ways that you could use beans in your day to day. Have you ever considered mm -hmm. throwing them into a chili? Have you ever considered throwing them in some beef burgers? Have you ever considered doing them in like a quinoa, lentil, Mediterranean salad? Mm -hmm. So that is how, like, that is just how my brain works when I work with my clients meeting you where you're at, yeah. figuring out what is getting in the way of you taking action towards your goals consistently. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and we're getting ready for like New Year's here. Although when this comes out, it will be slightly after New Year's. But I assume that everyone is going to be food tracking as of January 1st for probably <laughs> 12 hours. Um, um, how do we feel about food tracking? I have done it in the past, done well with it, but tend to like do it for like a few days. And then I'm like, okay, I have a handle on it. So like, yeah, I would think that it would not be super beneficial for most people long-term to be measuring how much they're eating necessarily. Yeah. But yeah. is this useful for people who are struggling or is it just added stress? Like, how do we feel yeah. about food tracking? Good question. I actually just recorded a podcast episode uh, called food tracking, the good, the bad mm -hmm. and the ugly. <laughs> Crazy. So <laughs> yeah, here's, you know what, we'll start with the, we'll start with the good stuff. Hands down tracking is a useful tool. It's a tool within your toolbox that can help you become much more aware of what's going in your mouth because there is nothing better then writing things down because it helps you think you start thinking and you become aware of all those little bits and bites that are going in the tank because i think a big thing here sophia especially if you're just starting off with you know your health and your nutrition and you know i help a lot of women with sustainable weight loss is they you know we just don't know, don't know how many, like what's going in the tank. Don't know in terms of, you know, quality calories or fiber or protein. So I find that tracking is a useful tool to collect data, mm -hmm. collect data. So that is a really, I find it's a very useful tool to become conscious and bring awareness to food choices and especially mm -hmm. in today's food environment because you know I'll hear time and time again from clients who are like oh my gosh I went out to Boston Pizza and got whatever dish that was did you know Leah that there's 1700 calories in that dish and like 3000 milligrams of sodium I'm like yeah, yeah. it's mind-blowing yeah. so I find it is a very useful tool to bring awareness to what you're choosing and also using that data to learn how your choices affect how you feel and how you function because mm -hmm. a calorie is not a calorie in terms of how you feel and function if you have 1500 calories of a plate of nachos smothered in cheese sour cream and mm -hmm. whatever else versus 1500 calories of lean proteins fruits vegetables beans mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. 
all the beans, you know, and like whatever <laughs> Greek yogurt, you yeah. are going to feel and you are going to function very differently based on the breakdown of the quality of those calories. So that's mm -hmm. a really good I find tracking is very useful for that too, because you start to make associations with your choices and the consequence mm -hmm. on how you feel and how your body functions. Yeah. So those so are the positives. Could you like, should people, if they're going to like track what they're eating this year, maybe like keep a journal at the same time, like use the notes function and whatever app that you're tracking, like yeah. how you felt, like, did you feel bloated immediately after eating that? Cause that's yeah. probably a sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Using the notes tab is great within my program. I have, I like using a, a food and mood journal, mm -hmm. like food, mood and symptoms journal. So keeping an eye on yeah, gas bloating, things like that. Mm -hmm. Also mood, you know, how are you feeling today? Whereabouts are you yeah. in your menstrual cycle? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, how hungry are you? And that's mm -hmm. a big thing too, right? With tracking and paying attention to, you're hungering your fullness. Cause a lot of times I'm helping my clients and teaching them how to tune in to their body's hunger and their fullness, mm -hmm. you know, eating when you're hungry, how to stop at like 70% full yeah. and, uh, just having those it's mindful eating, right? Why am I eating right now? Am I hungry? Mm -hmm. Am I thirsty? Am I bored? Am I eating just because this is super habitual and I'm scrolling on my phone at the same time as half paying attention to a show on Netflix? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. So it's like my life. Yeah. I know. Scrolling yeah. through things on my phone while I'm half paying attention to Netflix. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> distracted, distracted living. <laughs> Me too. I know I have my moments. <laughs> yeah. So so what What's the bad then of the food tracking before anyone's like all gung ho and I'm going to track my food? It's yeah. sounding kind of like it's really good for people who might be analytical and might be able mm. to like take that data and do yes. something with it. Yes. <laughs> very good point. Yeah. I was just going to say it's a really effective tool for, pe for people with very analytical minds, love numbers. Uh, like I work with a lot of engineers and docs and, mm -hmm. you know, like people in marketing love numbers and it works like a dream for them. They love it. You know, they, they enjoy doing that. Um, mm -hmm. But then there's others that absolutely hate it. So, and this is also where the individualized approach with coaching comes into play. Like if you absolutely hate tracking, then, you know, I'm not going to make you track. We'll, we'll bring awareness to what you're eating in a different way, like portions or something like that. But when it comes to the tracking, I do find that the slippery slope is, making all those numbers mean something and internalizing them in a way that doesn't make you feel so good. So for example, um, you know, feeling like you are bad, I'm like quote unquote mm -hmm. bad or, you know, off track because you went over a little bit on your calories that day. Um, you know, getting into this funky headspace where, you know, you see that you, I don't know, had, birthday cake and ice cream and now you're over your sugar for the day and then you start to internalize that as oh man I failed today you know mm -hmm. like and allowing that to derail your week and also derailing the uh, derailing the use of the app as well mm -hmm. and that's where I find 
the biggest challenge with the tracking is making those numbers mean something mm -hmm. and internalizing it, um, you know, negatively. And that's where I hear a lot. It's like, oh, you know, I just want to, I feel like I have this unhealthy relationship with my tracker. You know, I want to have, you know, more trust uh, and faith in my body and making those good choices on my own versus relying on a tracker all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. what I see. Excellent. You've talked a little bit about how eating some foods will probably make you feel worse than eating other foods. <laughs> so why don't we get into that part of the conversation? Because that was really the big piece that I wanted to talk to you about is just de-stressing food. So I know okay. a lot of people when they're starting to get into eating more healthy, like especially with all the cravings and everything, like it could take a while to feel like you sort of have it together. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> you're going to make the healthy choice. And I know a lot of people beat themselves up yeah. about the food that they're eating, which just makes things worse. Yeah. So when we talk about how stress can affect your eating, how your eating can affect your stress levels. <laughs> yeah. How it's a cycle, all of that fun stuff. Yeah. So, okay. So first part of that question was how does stress affect your eating? Yeah. Stress affects your eating in a variety of ways, and it can affect people differently. Stress can absolutely squash your appetite. You know, I, I talk to plenty of people and they're like, man, my anxiety, my stress is through the roof. I've got zero appetite. Hands down, it can do that to some people. And it could do the total opposite to, to others. Stress can amplify your impulsiveness Stress can, stress can amplify your cravings and really increase your appetite. And stress can affect our decision-making capacity. So even though we know that having a chicken vegetable stir fry is the best choice coming home for you know, for, for dinner after a long day. But when you've had a crazy stressful day and your mind is absolutely tapped and you're exhausted, then stress can quickly change that thought process of, oh yeah, I'm going to do chicken veg stir fry and say, you know, oh, I, I'm so exhausted. I'm tired. I'm stressed out. Let's just go for the quick and easy. Let's grab pasta and tomato sauce. Mm -hmm. So that's how stress can affect you know, your appetite choices, um, and stress can affect your gut as well, mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. affect your gut. And again, it can go, it can go both ways here, but, you know, I work with a lot of clients where stress can affect their gut by causing more gas, more bloating, more cramping, mm -hmm. constipation, or the flip side, it can cause more diarrhea, uh, loose stool, things like that. And, um, yeah, just overall, all gut health and ability to, uh, lose weight. So I, I see that a lot when women are really hot or when women are struggling with their stress, cortisol levels are quite high. It can affect your body's ability to metabolize your food and to mm -hmm. lose weight. So yeah, I could keep this combo going, but stress has a Stress can cause a lot uh, of changes within the body, not just at a physical level, but mental and emotional as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, well, no one is 
too happy when they have diarrhea. So <laughs> nope. <laughs> I know I'm not. <laughs> it's not a not a fun situation. No, it's not. <laughs> and constipation sucks too. Like oh my God. yeah. Let's be All serious. That. All that. Mm. Bloating, cramping. Actually, I find stomach cramps are just like awful to deal with. Like you get yeah, stomach cramps and your whole day's ruined. You're just like, sorry, everyone. Yep. Ow. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> All right. How about yeah. how food can cause stress or relieve stress? Like, are you seeing a lot of this in your line of work these days? Are people being more mindful about the foods that they're eating in an attempt to reduce the amount of stress that they're yeah. experiencing? There's lots of trending mushrooms these days oh, yeah. to give you energy and to calm you down and to all of that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, among other foods, but mushrooms are very trendy right now. Yes, very trendy. Yeah. So I'm going to give it to you straight here. I find that the biggest stressor around food is not having a plan around it. Hmm. And that is the case for, I would say, 98% of the people that I work with when they say like, man, I am so stressed out about food. I said, well, what exactly stresses you out about food? And the answer is, I feel like I'm scrambling. I'm frantic around food. I don't have a plan. You know, there's nothing healthy prepped. So I just grab the quick and convenient thing. And then they feel guilty about doing that. So, you know, it's so it's so interesting how as humans, we think that it's such a complicated solution to something when in actuality, the biggest thing that's going to help to reduce stress around food is having a bit of a plan around <laughs> it. Pre-deciding, having a, some fresh prepped food in the house or biting the bullet and getting some healthy food at the grocery store and stocking your fridge, you know, enhancing your spaces, making healthy choice, the easy choice, you know, buying like little Greek yogurt cups and baby carrots and baby cucumbers and, you know, <laughs> rotisserie chicken and keeping it in your fridge or your office fridge or putting protein bars in your car so that you're not starving and then default and go into the drive-through at four o'clock. Mm -hmm. So I know that's probably not the expected answer, but bottom line, a lot of unnecessary stress around food comes from the lack of planning because it literally isn't even on the priority map. And majority of my clients think about food when it's too late, when they're absolutely starving. And then like, we're done for because we make, mm -hmm. we don't make good decisions when we're starving. Our brain doesn't care. We want quick, fast, like, give me a good sugar kick. Mm -hmm. And that's also how stress can uh, affect your food choices what is when you don't have a plan, when you're not, you know, when you're not prepped, now you're even more stressed out and frantic. Then you layer in hunger. Oh my gosh, look out. Your brain doesn't care about what you're eating when you're starving. All it cares about is like, put it in my mouth right now. I need something. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier for us to go towards quick carbs, sugary things. Um, you know, something that gives us a quick energy kick, but mm -hmm. leaves us in an energy slump, like half an hour to an hour later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I could see how that would just exacerbate stress. For sure. You know, you don't have anything. You think, shit, now I have to go to McDonald's. I'm being forced mm -hmm. to go to McDonald's. Then you eat crap and then you feel like crap. And then 
Yeah. Probably yeah. feel stupid for making yourself have to go to McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. But that brings up a good point too, Sophia, because you know what? The drive-throughs, like that is also part of that's part of our life. And mm -hmm. it would be ridiculous to say, like, oh, I'm going on this healthy eating kick. I'm never gonna eat at the drive-through again. It's like, don't mm -hmm. don't make <laughs> yeah. don't kid yourself. And I had a conversation with a client the other day around, you know, making the best choices at McDonald's because mm -hmm. you know what stuff goes sideways all the time. You can plan as much as you want and prep, but life is still going to throw you a wrench. So how do you make the best choice at Starbucks, Tim Hortons, mm -hmm. Wendy's, McDonald's? Um, and that is also how, you know, I, I help my clients is like doing a bit of a menu review. It's like based on what you've got at McDonald's, what is the best choice? What's going to give you a little bit of fiber, some protein, less sodium, less mm -hmm. saturated fat and make you feel okay when you leave the, when you leave the drive through both physically and mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, like it's, it's being real with yourself and recognizing like the drive through is not going to kill your progress making the best decision based on the circumstance mm -hmm. and are there options at different fast food places that are like not terrible or, yeah yeah and like yeah. multiple options so not like there's one there being, thing at mcdonald's you can eat you know like <laughs> there's a couple yeah, yeah yeah there's definitely a couple yeah yeah majority of it not so great but i mean there there's a few yeah. There's a few options. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. awesome. Do you have any foods that are like, do you have like a list of hell no foods? Like, do not eat this. This is bad. Like, it's like vegetable oils. Are we avoiding vegetable oils? Because the internet's telling me to avoid vegetable oils. I'm I know. Single. The internet tells us a lot of things. And I think that's yes. what can be, that's what also is an extra layer of the stress around food, right? Is like the mm -hmm. misinformation and the confusion. And we get all in a flap and overwhelmed and stressed out when we don't feel confident in our food yeah. choices. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so hell no foods for me. I know it's funny. I saw that question and I was like, are there hell no foods for me? To be honest with you, There's some things that I would never buy at the grocery store, like bologna, for example. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of the like cured meats and stuff like that, um, you know, we start looking at nitrates and uh, mm -hmm. really high sodium and, you know, the preservatives and things like that. Um, oh, I did a post the other day about those, those muffins that you can buy at the grocery store in the mm -hmm. bakery, like those packaged muffins or like, you're basically eating cake. So <laughs> perfect. You know, to, perfect. Yeah. So to me personally, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying around, you know, being mindful and learning how your food choices affect how you feel your function, your cravings, all that stuff. 
I would not personally buy those cakey muffins because those 450 calories are not worth it to me because I know that it's straight sugar because I know it's not serving my body in any yeah. way. So that's why I wouldn't buy it. Um, yeah, cakey muffins, bologna, oh, cheese whiz. I know it just screams nostalgia, but it also, you know, screams a bunch of other things. Um <laughs> What else? You know, I do like I do have some vegetable oils. Like I've got um what do I have in my house? Like I love olive oil though. Like I cook with oh, olive yeah. oil. I've got avocado oil. I've got um I do vegetable oil in uh in some baking. Um but a lot of things that I wouldn't buy would be a lot of the sugar sweetened uh, mm -hmm. things like sugar sweetened beverages. That's a sneaky one. You know, they mm -hmm. can add up so fast. The sugar sweetened beverages. Um, yeah. What about I'll like make the a list of hell no foods? Yeah. yeah. What about mm -hmm. like um, the artificial sweetener stuff? Yeah. Artificial sweetener stuff. I mean, we're still getting some research on it, but at the end of the day, you'd have to consume a lot of artificial mm -hmm. sweeteners to, you know, hit that upper tolerable level. And honestly, everybody, everybody um, responds a little bit differently to artificial sweeteners. I mean, I work with some women and they're like, you know, I like I can handle a bit of artificial sweetener in mm -hmm. whatever, like their baking or coffee or whatever. And they're totally fine with it. And other people are like, oh man, like I'm getting some gas and bloating and this just doesn't sit well with me. Um, yeah. So, and even I had this question the other day, like Mio, right. The little squirts of Mio with um, yeah. the artificial sweeteners. Like you can see right here, I've put a couple squirts of Mio yeah. in my water. Um, and honestly, to put it into perspective, upper tolerable level, even for um, aspartame, right? You'd have to drink 40 liters of, of Diet Coke in a day to get to the upper tolerable level of artificial sweeteners. <laughs> I don't think I've so, I mean, ever consumed that much Coke in my life. No, no me neither. Uh, well, I haven't I consumed know. that much Maybe. pop. <laughs> so... I mean, bottom line, I think that we stress too much around, oh, it's like, oh my gosh, I have a food with a bit of artificial sweetener. And it's like, you know what? Take a breath. It's okay. It's not going to kill you. A little bit of artificial sweetener is not going to kill you. Um, it's really looking at quantity volume, like how much you're having, because it's, I know it's so generic to say, but it really does come down to the balance and the moderation uh, mm -hmm. of things. I assume moderation will be like the word of this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It is now. You're always told this like your entire life. Everyone with regards to nutrition is moderation is the key. And then I think you become an adult. And for a lot of people, like if you're wanting to change things in your life, you go to the internet and start researching and you can <laughs> in five seconds flat find two interpretations of the same study saying conflicting yeah. things. So yeah. I can totally see how people get overwhelmed and confused and not know what the heck to do with all this. Speaking of studies, alcohol. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> alcohol. alcohol. Good time of year to talk about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are we feeling good about alcohol? Are we feeling bad about alcohol? I think alcohol's 
alcohol companies are not going to be happy with recent research because yes. it would appear to be a bunch of people are getting off the alcohol train. So. Yeah, they are, myself included, actually. Nice. Um, yeah, so this new research study mm -hmm. uh, is now sharing that less is more in terms of alcohol and, you know, um, two standard drinks for women a week uh mm -hmm. you know three standard drinks for men a week which is significantly less than a lot of us are consuming yeah for sure <laughs> and i've said this i've said this so many times to my girlfriends but like there's a lot of functioning alcoholics uh oh, around in, so many in this area and everywhere else but you know when i i just I find it so interesting when I ask the question, it's like, all right, like how much alcohol are you drinking on a regular basis? Like no judgment here. Right. And then I'll get a answer of like, I don't know, maybe like three, four drinks a week. And then I say, okay, so you think you're having three to four drinks a week. I want to challenge you to track how much alcohol you drink on a regular week. And the number, you know, could be triple that. So I think a big thing is that we don't, we're not aware we don't even realize how much we're drinking. Uh, and like, honestly, that can go for food too. But oh, yeah. when you start paying attention and tracking and writing down how many beverages you're having, or you want an easy way to go figure it out, go check your green or go check your blue bin at the end of the, the week. How many bottles of wine are there? How many cans of empty beer are there? That's a great way to see. It's like, oh, shit. Like, I just blew through four bottles of wine this week. <laughs> so the the recycle bin doesn't lie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the new recommendation recommendations is less is more. And to be honest with you, well, let me ask you this, Sophia. Is there any specific questions that you have around alcohol or... Um, I don't know, was there like anything intriguing about that uh, research study to you? Well, the health implications are really interesting, given that for the longest time in with different types of drinks, um, alcoholic drinks, they've been commenting on the health benefits of it. And now, like, well, it's doing more damage than it's doing you good. So <laughs> maybe don't drink it. Obviously, people have talked for a long time about alcohol and weight loss and, you know, the number of calories that you're consuming and in drinks and like that's all well and good. But it sounds like health wise, you generally yeah. should avoid drinking it. And uh, even besides the addictive part of it, because you're right, I think there is a lot of functioning alcoholics in the world. A lot yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah. And I think too, just the awareness of how alcohol affects you like, like head to toe and it's not like health for sure, but here's where it comes down to like the practical level. And I, I like to say, it's like, so who cares? Like if you're drinking alcohol, why does it matter mm -hmm. to you? And the answer that I get time and time again from, you know, people that I'm working with, they start to recognize how alcohol affects their sleep quality. Okay. So we think, and I hear this all the time, that, oh, alcohol makes me sleep better. That is not a thing. 
sure, it knocks your socks off when you go to bed. You can pass out real hard, but you are going to have a you're going to have a poor quality sleep. You're not in that deep sleep. You are getting crap quality sleep. Mm -hmm. So and then you wake up in the morning and you're dragging your tail. You feel groggy. You feel sluggish. Your brain fog is ridiculous. And you feel like your day is a total write-off. And sure, you know what? When we're 20, great. We had nothing else to do on a Saturday or Sunday (laughs) so we could do that. But you know, like 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, beyond, you got shit to do. And it's not (laughs) worse waking up feeling like garbage and having a hangover. Our body... So sleep is a big one because when you don't get quality sleep, it also starts to wreak havoc on your appetite Mm -hmm. and your weight regulating hormones. When you're under rested, you make crap decisions. We feel it all the time. We have our, like when we're under rested too, we have more cravings. So we're, we're craving more sugar and salt and quick stuff. Mm -hmm. So alcohol really affects your sleep negatively. It also affects inflammation within your body because alcohol is seen as a foreign substance in your body. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. So when you consume any type of alcohol, your body is like, oh, okay, cool. There's that foreign something. Let's prioritize metabolizing that, getting it out of our system ASAP. And when people drink a lot of alcohol, it can cause, I mean, it can cause a bunch of things, but like inflammation, uh, you know, fatty liver disease, um, some heart disease, things like that, uh, elevates risk of developing certain types of cancer. So there's a lot of things that are going on, but on a day-to-day basis, I think the biggest feels that -hmm. come from drinking less alcohol is you start to feel it in your sleep quality, your brain function, your productivity, your stamina, um, yeah. And also your, your waistline. Mm-hmm. So yes, those are, those are the, the biggest things that, uh, are the biggest conversations that I have around alcohol. Well, everyone just quit drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Did they though? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised by how many people are actually going, oh, okay, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm like, really? Yeah. I'm kind of surprised. It's great, uh, but I'm surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, like a lot of people that I work with, I would say it's like half, half and half, because some are totally cool with giving up alcohol, right? And it's nice because we have so many options that are available to us that are non-alcoholic, you know, you go to the liquor store now and you ask somebody, it's like, hey, point me in the direction of like, you know, non-alcoholic bevies. There's so many to choose from now. So it is easy. It's it's much easier to go alcohol free uh, these days um, or, you know, being the person that shows up with a liter of Perrier at the party. Right. Um, so there's that. Or there's the other, you know, crew of people that are like, I'm not okay with giving up alcohol altogether i'm like fine that's totally cool because it's your life that you're living but in terms of the information that you have around its effects on your your health and how you feel and how you're functioning your goals and blah 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 like how open are you to making some tweaks so instead of drinking say seven to eight bevies a week are you cool to dial that back 
a little mm -hmm. bit. So it's all about these little modifications that can give you some really great, like really great outcomes. Yeah. You don't have to cut it out completely. And I think that's where so many of us go wrong. It's like, oh, new year is better get on a healthy eating kick. And then you <laughs> feel like you have to eat vegetables, fruit, and chicken all day long, no alcohol and just drink water. Like who <laughs> is going to stick with that for more than three days? Like not 99% <laughs> of the population. So exactly. that mindset is setting you up for failure big time. So now we're going to get into motivation then. I guess okay. we're going to start with you're going to come up with a plan where you don't quit everything cold turkey all at once because <laughs> yeah. that last three days. Yeah, no, I've definitely experienced that sort of stuff myself. Yeah. Um, just quitting everything all at the same time does not work particularly well. No, it doesn't. Well. No. So before we get unmotivated, I assume... We sort of build ourselves up, guessing, work yes. our way up to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry, what are you asking here, Sophia, about building motivation? Yeah. yeah. What do we do when we're just not feeling motivated? Aside from okay. like, I think you're probably going to say like, if you feel like crap one day and you really want to go get Harvey's, go get Harvey's. Um, and then don't beat yourself up about it the next day because that's not doing yourself any good. Like, yeah. Yeah. Go back there, to eating yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Motivation is a very interesting word. Um, yeah. And here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned about motivation because I've had to really use this within my business because it's not like anything that you are uh, working towards and, you know, anything that doesn't have a finish line, like your health does not have a finish line. Building mm -hmm. a business does not have a finish line. Mm -hmm. So how do you quote unquote stay motivated when there's really no finish line and <laughs> you're not going to stay motivated? Like that is the real hard truth. You're not going to feel motivated every day. Did I feel motivated to bang out six pieces of content yesterday? Hell no. But guess where motivation comes from? Motivation is a byproduct of you taking action in any capacity. So this is kind of like the secret sauce to creating motivation. Like you have this, the power to build your own motivation by taking just a simple step. So when you're feeling in a funk, this is what I asked myself. Cause the other day, like I was in a funk, I was feeling, I was feeling unmotivated. I was feeling like a little bit like, nah. So when I'm feeling like that, like name it, be like, okay, yeah, I'm not feeling so motivated. Well, why am I not feeling motivated? What have I slowed down or what have I stopped doing? Because that's why you're feeling unmotivated. Because anytime, like if I were to ask you, like, Sophia, what were you doing? Like, when were you feeling motivated? Like, what were you doing? Your answer is probably like, well, you know, I was eating well. I was getting to the gym. I was drinking my water. You were doing the things. You were taking the action. You were taking action. You were building. You were building your own motivation because you were taking action towards the things that you said you wanted to do. And when we slow down or when we stop taking those actions, well, then our motivation goes down with it. Because humans, we often think that we... 
Like we make this massive error and we wait around to feel motivated in order to do something when that is literally sucking your soul. Like it's not going to do anything for you. You have to think if I'm not feeling motivated right now, then I get to just take one little step. I'm going to get my butt into the kitchen and cut up that cucumber. That is taking action. I am maybe not feeling like fully motivated to do a 50 minute hit workout, but I know that I can get my ass out the door and do a 15 minute walk down the trail. That's action taking. You're creating your own motivation because you're taking action. That's good. I like it. <laughs> I get all fired up about that subject, as you can tell. No, but, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Motivation is not going to be there every day. You're kidding yep. yourself if you think that um, it's going to be there. You have to rely on that dedication and the devotion uh, to yourself and your goals and remind yourself that you can feel unmotivated, but you are more powerful than your feels. You can feel unmotivated and still take action. And I think that's what a lot of us uh, need to be reminded of myself included. You can feel unmotivated, but who cares? Guess what? You can still take action. You can still get your ass out the door. You can still go to the grocery store and get a healthy lunch. You can still cut up some vegetables, even when you feel unmotivated. I like you that. can do that. I like that one. Mm, so do I. I use that a lot <laughs> for I myself. Bet. Yeah, for I myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you want people to know going into 2024 when they're feeling very motivated right now about their New Year's resolutions? Um, yeah. Other than just taking a small step every day, what do you want people to know? Good question. I want people to know that you can recalibrate at any time. Mm -hmm. We put so much pressure on ourselves to do things just so. And uh, I think a lot of well, a lot of women and people that I work with, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners get old A-type personalities mm -hmm. and we strive for perfection. But perfection, it just, it's going to stop you so yeah, it's just going to stop you. So stop aiming for perfection and aim for progression because that's what, that's what it's all about. It's that one degree of change and please, please give yourself permission to press the recalibrate button when not if, mm -hmm. when you have a day or an event where you overindulge, whatever, like you're human. Two mm -hmm. nights ago, I ate more ginger sparkler cookies than I would like to admit to. But what I didn't do the next day is like, oh my gosh, I'm so ridiculous. Like I ate more cookies. I shouldn't have done that. Why? You know, you get yourself all in a flap mm -hmm. and then you stay in this funky headspace. And it's that headspace, that mental or that, that mindset and attitude. That's the thing that derails you because you tell yourself, shit failed the rest of the week's a write-off i'm gonna restart mm -hmm. on monday mm -mm. that yeah. mindset totally totally sucks so give yourself permission to forgive yourself meet you where you're at and mm -hmm. say 
I get to make the decision right now to press the recalibrate button instead of hitting mm-hmm. the fuckets. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what so many of us do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that is my thing going into 2024. Give yourself permission to hit recalibrate. It could be multiple times a day, multiple times a week. You're not going to fail if you don't keep trying. And I think so many of us are fearful of failure, right? We don't want to let ourselves down. And you're you're not going to fail if you keep trying, if you keep going. And that mentality and that attitude is going to serve you so well. Because like I just said, like your, your health and your weight loss journey, there is no endpoint. There's no finish line. It's a continuum. It's something to maintain over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no, yeah. it's not three months. Cool. Let's bang out this program. I'm done. It's like, like this is long haul stuff. Oh my goodness. That just made me think about bodybuilders and steroids. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. We've all seen uh, our share, fair share of those. Oh my goodness. All right. So what should people know about working with you? Um, do you work mostly with your clients online? Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So I own a virtual coaching business. So yeah, all my coaching is done virtually. I work with people from all over the world and you can find me on Instagram at Leah Van Dolder, my website, leahvandolder.com. But yeah, I've got a coaching program and it is like I call it, it's long-term, it's long-term lifestyle coaching and People can tell from me because I am just being my true, authentic self. Like, mm-hmm. I don't sugarcoat things. Mm-hmm. I give people real, honest, like practical advice, mm-hmm. guidance, and feedback. And you know, I meet you where you're at. So that's the kind of coach that that you get when uh, when you work with me and somebody who's been doing this for a decade. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, but it's all, yes, it's all virtual coaching. You get a community. I do pre-recorded training videos. So when you work with me, not just get, you know, access to, to me Mm one-to-one, but you also get additional resources and things that help you not like just with the education piece and, um, you know, inspirational recipes, stuff like that. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. And do you have a ridiculously happy moment for us? Ridiculously happy moment. I remember you saying it could be big or small, but what's making me happy these days is I'm working towards uh, creating a women's health and wealth summit in mm-hmm. March. And um, yeah, it's it's been really, really good. It scares me a bit. Yes. I know something when you say yes to, and you're like, this is exciting, but it also, you know, terrifies me all at once this is a this is what's going on um and happiness is just the it's the process of going through that um so it's that has been awesome and uh what makes me happy is i honestly like my clients my clients make Mm -hmm. me so happy and seeing how they how their life drastically changes when they start to prioritize themselves and take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing that makes me happier. Sophia is just amazing. Um, yeah. So 
it's uh it's a really powerful thing to see and I feel very grateful and honored and quite privileged to be able to do the work that I do um yeah because I I'm just able to kind of get into their life and really transform it uh along with them and yeah that's what makes me happy that's amazing that's awesome all right and, and you, you what about you oh yeah my, you my I have now hit one month of working out every day Good for you. Back on the working out train. Not a girl. It was hard. It was hard to get back on the train, but it's going well. Yeah. But yeah. you did it regardless did of it. how you felt, right? You were feeling like it was hard, but you did it That's anyway. Right. That's right. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm feeling very good about that. So yeah. That's awesome. I exercise again. That's good. All right. That's great, Sophia. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, you're inspiring people to uh, to really rethink about their own movement and exercise mm -hmm. regime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you please remind us where people can find you? Yeah, people can find me a variety of ways. Instagram, my handle is Leah Van Dolder. I'm on there every day. Uh, lots of great nutrition, mindset, lifestyle. Um, you know, you, you get me the real, the real deal, LVD, <laughs> Leah Van Dolder. Um, and they can find me too on my website, leahvandolder.com. And I also have a podcast on uh, Apple, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, and it's called The Reclaim Podcast. And I'm going to link that in the show notes, by the awesome. way. If you have all awesome. these questions after listening to this one, then go listen to that one because... <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. And I am Sophia Lemon, and I photograph Ridiculously Happy People. You can find me on Instagram at Ridiculously Happy People, and that is PPL, on Facebook and on Pinterest and at SophiaLemon.com. And if you want to hear your own Ridiculously Happy Moment on the podcast, you can go to happyp.pl slash moment to record it, or you can watch for the prompts on social media. And thanks for sharing, subscribing, and rating the show. Um, everything you do helps us spread this ridiculously happy movement and hopefully get people eating better i don't know maybe <laughs> thanks for listening and uh we will see you next time